and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here in a moment, so make sure and stay tuned. Uh, The Jazz take on Oklahoma City tonight. Um, here at all, tip-off is at 6. Gordon, you know that uh, the Thunder have, uh, and and let me make sure I get this right, but it's like 17 first-round picks uh, oh, wow. over the next several years. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that earlier. They do it. They're loaded up. It it will be it will be really it will be really interesting to see what they do going forward because they don't. Uh, I mean, they've they've got some talent to build around too. And they're going to utilize some of those assets for for certain uh, players who they can, who, you know, obviously those picks are really valuable. Yep. All right. Let's uh, 17 first round picks until 2026, by the way, just to get that accurate. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Uh, let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, Austin, hit the open. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. He is Chris Mannix, back with us again on uh, Daily Assist. Chris, happy holidays. How you doing? What's going on, guys? Hey, we're great just, to hear from you. Great to hear from you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. We're just excited. Basketball's back. It feels like uh, we gave you just a very short offseason this time around, Chris. Yeah, I mean, quick turnaround, and you're seeing kind of the results of that turnaround uh, early in the season with, I mean, no defense whatsoever being played anywhere. And, uh, you know, some, some rust certainly being shaken off amongst a lot of teams, but Hopefully by the time we get to February, March, you know, all these teams hit their stride and we'll have, uh, you know, good product. That's one thing I've noticed, Chris, in the early results is that you have the Nets looking the way they do and then they go out and they lose to the Hornets. Uh, I mean, there's just uh, isn't a lot of consistency. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the first, you know, month, there's going to be some wild numbers put up, some upsets that maybe uh, won't be upsets a few months from now. I mean, you saw... You know, the Clippers look good early on, then, you know, Utah puts 50 on them in the first half of uh, of their game, 50-point lead. And you know, that kind of stuff's going to happen. It's just, you know, the it's a shortened training camp. It's a shortened preseason. You know, a number of these teams, a high number have been off since, you know, some since March, some since midsummer. And uh, it's just going to be weird early on as teams kind of try to figure out their rhythm and their rotation. So uh, expect the unexpected, I would say, is probably the, the motto for early on. Chris, even though the offseason was short, the Jazz made some major, major decisions. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, that was that was probably a really easy one to go ahead and give him his, uh, his max extension. But coming to terms on a deal with Rudy, re-signing Jordan Clarkson, and bringing back Derek Favors, I mean, some pretty major stuff. What a, What's your take on the Jazz offseason? Oh, yeah, look, I, I thought it was solid. They got a lot of their work done early on with some of these guys, and they addressed you know things they wanted to address. I think it's a positive sign that there was as much confidence as there is 
um, in the Gobert Mitchell pairing, working out between them. I think we saw that coming towards the end of of the of the season, the bubble season. But uh, it's good that you know that was reinforced with the new deal for Rudy. And look, if you're Utah, if you have talent in place, talent that wants to be there, you've got to do everything at your disposal to make sure it it stays there. I mean, you don't want to run the risk of Gobert getting to free agency, and then you know you get all these teams that. You know, we're looking around with Giannis money, maybe looking for some place to spend it. So I think it was a smart move to tie him up, even though the contract certainly is is a big one. Uh, the Clarkson move I thought was significant too. I mean, Clarkson, he basically is their bench. I mean, he was my pick for you know the NBA Sixth Man of the Year this year, largely because of the opportunities I think he's going to get. You know, as the leading man of that second unit, and he's going to get a chance to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, be Jordan Clarkson. You know, kind of be a shooter and put up a lot of numbers and and be effective in that role. So I think getting him tied down on a new deal was was really important for this group. We've talked with you in the past, uh, Chris, about the importance of uh, good team leadership from a standpoint of front office and ownership. The Jazz did change owners, and uh, everything we're hearing about Ryan Smith, and I've talked to him at length, he said that – he trusts Dennis Lindsay. He trusts Quinn Snyder. He's saying the things that you want to hear out of the owner. So it seems as though that whole ownership idea will continue to be a strength of the Jazz, not a weakness. Well, I mean, look, what you want from owners are to be there but not be there. What I mean by that is that you want their full-throated support, but you don't want them to think that their money you know, means they have some kind of – basketball knowledge and and that's happened in the past i mean we had another kind of silicon valley guy in in robert perrin memphis early on there was very hands-on with that process and you know part of the basketball decision making tree and look i i understand all owners are i mean if you're signing off on big ticket numbers you you get to have a say in that process but you hire good basketball people and you should trust good basketball people that's exactly what the jazz have they have great basketball people from the depth of talent in that front office to what Quinn's done in his time with the jazz. There's no reason to come in and, you know, upset the apple cart and try to, to do anything different. And to your point, it certainly sounds like, you know, like Ryan's not going to do that. And hopefully it, it remains that way. I mean, sometimes, you know, owners have to step in and make tough decisions, but right now there aren't any tough decisions to be made in Utah. It comes down to trusting the, the front office to make the right decisions as they nibble around the fringes, try to finding, the right guys to fit this mix and in the years to come drafting guys that that makes sense um those are not decisions that owners should get involved with you know following that up uh, one of the things that he said after sitting in the war room during the draft i i asked him his impression of uh the, the front office folks, the folks were in charge right now and he said and this is a direct quote he said man they know what they're doing I, I thought, man, if I'm Dennis Lindsay, that's music to my ears. Yeah, I mean, you want validation, no question. Uh, but, you know, Ryan seeing for the first time what these guys have been doing for years, uh, he should think that way because they do know what they're doing. Like they're, they're very accomplished in those roles. So whether it's Dennis or Justin Zanuck or anybody else, David Morway in that crew, um, you know, they should be empowered in every possible way to make the decisions uh, for the Utah Jazz until they show that they're not capable of doing it. And nothing during the Dennis Lindsay tenure as the leader of that front office has has shown he's not capable of doing this. Chris, what do you think are realistic expectations for the Jazz in the West this year? 
Well, I, I, again, it comes down to being really hard to read what I'm seeing early on. I mean, I think the Lakers, regardless of positioning or the class of the conference, uh, you, you certainly can make an argument they got stronger this offseason. You follow that up, and even though the Clippers threw up a dud and I wonder what they are in the playoffs until they get to the playoffs, they're still really talented when they're all the way back. But after that, you know, it's anyone's game for that number three seed. I mean, before all the injuries, we thought Golden State would have a, a stranglehold on one of those spots. Now, I don't know what they're going to be. Their defense has been porous uh, all throughout this. The Rockets, you have to expect they're going to to take a step back uh, at some point when the Harden deal eventually comes through. Uh, you saw Portland's play had some ups and downs. The Jazz played them. Uh, they're going to have as many downs as ups. I mean, they don't play great defense either uh, with that group. So I think the Jazz have a chance to to grab onto a top four seed. I mean, they've they've got as much continuity as as any team you know in the conference right now. I mean, they. They have a, an all-world defender in Gobert who's putting up some big numbers early on in this season. So, you know, g- given what we've seen, I think, you know, you, you put the two L.A. teams at the top, but whether it's Denver, Golden State, uh, Houston, any number of those teams in that mix, the Jazz are right there. I mean, they, they should be looking and saying, we can compete for a top-four seed in the Western Conference. Chris, you saw what Donovan Mitchell did in the bubble. It's been interesting in the first two games. This is a year where we expect him to continue his ascent into stardom. And uh, the first two games, the first game he had 20 points and he was sharing the ball and wasn't really trying to dominate anything. In the second game, he was not particularly efficient. I think he was like 6 of 23. But he tried to do some things in the fourth quarter to, to, to lead the Jazz back to victory over Minnesota. They were not able to do that. What should his role be this year? And how, how often should he shoot? How dominant should he try to be? You know, I don't know that there's an – a, a a right or wrong answer for that. I think what it comes down to is early on, like any star player, you want to make sure that your teammates are involved. You're better in the fourth quarter when your teammates have the confidence of 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 things that they gained in the first three quarters. That they know they have your trust and they're more likely to make shots when defenses load up on you. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, that's your time. I mean this is a star driven league and end-of-game situations, frankly, most of the fourth quarter, you know, stars are going to get their opportunity to put up shots. I mean, we all look at, you know, those fourth-quarter statistics during the season. You know, always at the top are some of the best offensive players in the NBA, and every year you expect Donovan Mitchell to be among those those players. So I don't think there's a number you put on his shots this year or, you know, a way to kind of pigeonhole him numerically. I think you just say, you know, be patient early on. Don't rush shots. Get your teammates involved. Then when the fourth quarter comes, be the best player on the floor. And there's no reason to believe watching Mitchell play his first few years, there's no reason to believe he can't be that guy for this team. Chris Mannix with us uh, from Sports Illustrated. Chris, you mentioned uh, the Harden situation down there in Houston. A lot of drama, obviously, but you mentioned, uh, or it seemed you implied that uh, a move was inevitable. How long do you think it will take to move James Harden? Where does he likely end up? Well, I don't know if there's a timeline on it yet because a lot can change quickly, and frankly, it already has. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie going down with the ACL there, uh, that certainly shakes up the board a little bit if the Nets are to be considered a candidate to land James Harden. I mean, Dinwiddie would have been a part of of that package. He still could be. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like the ACL tear is is as bad as it could have been, a uh, partial tear uh, to that ACL. So, uh, maybe he can still be part of a deal, but there's just a lot that can happen. And look, the sense, the overwhelming sense I've gotten from the Rockets front office is that they prefer 
to drag this thing out as long as possible to see what else can materialize. I mean, is is Ben Simmons going to be available in a couple of weeks or a month? I mean, you look to Portland. Um, you know, I see they're playing Anthony Simons right now. That tells me they're trying to showcase him a little bit in a potential trade where they could land James Harden. James Harden and Neil O'Shea in Portland are very close, um, you know, dating back to his years on the high school circuit. So I think there's there's probably half a dozen teams that are legitimate candidates to land James Harden. But I think those teams, I think they kind of want to see what they are before they go in with kind of the big offer. And if you're, if you're the Rockets, you're waiting for that big offer. I mean, you can't settle for anything less, I mean, than what, you know, the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis or – the Clippers gave up for Paul George or, you know, even, you know, I mean, look at the hall of picks that the Pelicans got for Drew Holiday. I mean, you have to, you really got to play this out to maximize your return because you get one shot at this. Like you don't, you don't get stars like James Harding in a trade with two years left in their contract every day. You have to, to get maximum value uh, for this player. And the only way you're going to do that is by finding a way to make it palatable for him to stay there through at least the midway point of the season. Chris, is kind of a stupid question, considering that you just said that everybody needs to be patient. But you talked about the two L.A. teams in the West. Is anything happening that you is swaying your opinion about the East right now? Well, the Nets have. And, and look, as I said about Dinwiddie, that's concerning. Um, you know, he's a big part of what they do and a very good player. Uh, but they do have enough depth, I think, to overcome that loss. And when they get to the playoffs – I mean, how many teams in the league, East or West, have two guys that can get you buckets in a postseason game? Proven guys. I mean, you've got a two-time Finals MVP in Durant, who is all the way back. I mean, he is all the way back you know, from his injury. Watching him these first couple of games, uh, what he's doing offensively is, is, is great. What he's doing defensively is really impressive. I mean, defensively, he looks like the player we saw emerge as a high-level defensive player in his last few years uh, before the injury. So he's there. Kyrie Irving, for the moment, looks happy, and that's, that's a positive for the Nets because when he's happy and he's on, there's not many point guards, if any, in the league that can score like he can. And, look, that depth is, is what it is. It's very good. I mean, Karis LeVert would start on probably you know, two-thirds of the teams in the NBA. Jared Allen is a shot blocker at the center position. Joe Harris is a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. So they can go eight, nine deep with guys that are – quality NBA players, even without Dinwiddie. So I think the Nets, to me, you know, as long as they don't have dysfunction or further injury, I'd favor them over everybody else in the playoffs because in the playoffs, you need guys that can make shots, and they have two guys that are guaranteed to get you buckets. Chris, you're close to that Celtics franchise. Curious to your opinion about Gordon Hayward's offseason, uh, finding his way out of Boston, getting signing that big deal in Charlotte, and really off to a terrific start. I mean, his agent deserves – agent of the year award or agent of the decade award for what he's gotten Gordon over the last, you know, couple of contracts, few contracts, really. Uh, when you look back at the offer sheet that, um, that Charlotte signed him to in his first time out in free agency, I mean, I, 120 million is a remarkable number for a player that, you know, through no fault of his own, you know, did not have uh, a standout three years in Boston. Uh, but, you know, Charlotte, you know, look at all it takes is one team to really believe in you and really need you. And Charlotte did. And look, it's a small sample size, but early on, Gordon's played really well. You know, he's had two of the three games he's played, about 28 points. Um, he's been, I, I think, a good fit alongside the Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, uh, you know, the, 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 the young point guard they have there. They, like that group of players, he's been kind of what they need, a veteran presence that is somewhat stabilizing with that group. So, you know, good for Gordon. I mean, I, 
you, know, you, you have your obvious questions. I mean, you go to a team like Charlotte to spend the rest of your prime of your career. How much do you really want to win? Or how much are you placing a premium on winning? But, I mean, it's easy for me to say. I mean, I'm not getting offered, you know, 15, 20 million extra dollars to go play in, in one city. So uh, I think he'll do good things in Charlotte. I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. I mean, will it mean they're a playoff team? I doubt that. But he's got three more years after this to, to put him into the playoffs. And, and who knows? Maybe they'll be able to develop some guys enough to be a contender. One guy, Chris, who has really stood out in the early going so far here is uh, Brandon Ingram. Do you believe that he uh, is really is that kind of player that can uh, put up the kinds of numbers and have the results that he's uh, put yeah, up so far? He's a potential dominant scorer. I mean, I didn't vote for him for most improved last year because I don't vote for guys as the number two overall pick to be most improved. You're supposed to improve <laughs> when you're the number two overall pick. Um, but that doesn't take anything away from who he is. I mean, he is an all-star on his way to being a high-level all-star uh, this year. I mean, look, this is a guy, and I wrote it during his pre-draft process when I went to visit him and spent time with him in uh, upstate New York. I mean, he, he has a lot of Durant in his game, his offensive game. It's not just the body type. It's what he can do, the drives, the length, the way he scores. Um, you know, he can be a dynamic scorer. And, you know, slowly but surely he's polishing his game, whether it's defense, playmaking. He's doing a little bit of everything uh, with that team. So, you know, look, yeah, it's like I said, you you, you, you got to – you had to get something big back in return for Anthony Davis, and they got something big in Brandon Ingram, who you know isn't Davis, but you know certainly has the ability to be a franchise player like Davis was. Chris, last thing for me before we let you go. Um, of course, you hold down the basketball coverage there at Sports Illustrated very well, but I was excited. Uh, another one of our NBA Daily Assist guests, Howard Beck, I think you know he join, joins us as well. He joins you there at Sports Illustrated to bolster that NBA coverage. You guys are going to do some amazing things this season. Really excited about it. Yeah, I'm not. He's going to drag me down. There's no <laughs> doubt. It's, uh, I, I battled against it. I was hoping. To, I was hoping to take his money and hire 14 bloggers uh, to just basically repurpose my content in various forms. But hey, look, I don't have any uh, any sand. And Howard's the best. Uh, we, you know, we. I've known Howard obviously for most of my writing career. He's a preeminent feature writer. He does a little bit of everything. We'll do in the podcast every single week together, which I'm looking forward to because. You know, like you guys know with radio, I think with podcasting, you like to hear familiar voices week after week, and we'll be doing uh, our show every single week uh, together and, and doing video stuff as well. So he's he's great, man. I'm I'm excited, you know, to, to get to work with him as a teammate as opposed to just a, uh, a writing colleague. You know, one last thing for me, Chris, and that is – if you were going to advise Daryl Morey, would you say, uh, hey, just uh, take your, uh, your, your account, your uh, Twitter account, and, and put it in the garbage? I mean, no, I, I'd say, well, first of all, like, whatever that repost app was that reposted that tweet, like, should pay is fine. Like, see, like <laughs> I'd never heard of it before. You know, like, on this date.com, whatever it was when that, that reposted automatically, like, like that, that has gotten more free publicity than it ever would have had before but yeah i mean maybe uh maybe just do a clean sweep of the the twitter account and make sure something like that never happens again i will say this that was a wild find though i mean i understand that daryl has not earned a lot of credibility at the league office for for his twitter account i I get that but i mean that that clearly looked like a a automatically generated repost from a time when daryl was the gm of the houston rockets and to get things fifty thousand dollars is that's not jump change i don't care how much you're making uh, as a top-level NBA executive. So, uh, to me, that almost, when I first saw that fine, my first reaction was like, okay, the NBA couldn't do anything to Daryl Morey for the Hong Kong tweet that got them 
that cost them so much money. But they can do something here, and I think they, I think they just did. Chris, uh, Happy New Year. Thank you very much for jumping on with us. Uh, look forward to a great season. You got it, guys. It's our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, uh, going to be part of our Daily Assist lineup uh, this year, and we're really excited about that. Chris, uh, amazing. Does amazing work for Sports Illustrated across uh, a number of different mediums, but uh, excited about having him back again. You know, as he was talking about Howard uh, making fun of him, I was thinking uh, Howard would probably say the same thing back at Chris, wouldn't he? <laughs> hey, SI, I, I was excited that they brought Howard aboard. Uh, you know, Sports Illustrated has been through a lot as a brand over the past, uh, you know, well, couple of decades, really. And uh, I was, I'm stoked that they're being aggressive about providing some great NBA coverage. Good for them. Well, Howard is... Howard is about as thoughtful uh, an NBA expert as you're going to get. And uh, I always, we've always enjoyed having both of those guys on our air. And the fact that we're going to have them on every week uh, throughout the season again is, is nothing but good news for our listeners. Yeah, that's, that's quite the, that's quite the one-two punch. Uh, there's, yep. there's no doubt about it. This holiday season, I want to remind you about our friends at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West there in Salt Lake City, uh, or 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Gordon, you know it. Uh, prices so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the Warehouse. Give me a boom, Gordo. Boom. <laughs> we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks to Chris Mannix for jumping on with us, your daily assist. Excited to have Chris uh, back aboard with us again this year. Of course, uh, Sam Amick's going to be back with us from The Athletic. And uh, Howard Beck, as we mentioned, uh, is back with us again this year, uh, now with Sports Illustrated. So really excited about that lineup. Uh, just great NBA coverage on tap here on the big show, of course. Uh, Gordon, a couple of college-related stories I wanted to bring up with you. All right. Other uh, than the fact that Liberty beat Coastal Carolina? In a pretty wild game, right? Yeah. Uh, and and the jazz game was going on at the same time, so I didn't get a chance to because uh, of our wonderful television programming at the arena. I didn't get a chance to really digest <laughs> it as it was uh, as it was happening. But uh, it, let me get this straight: it was one of those uh, they're trying not to score type of things, and it ended up in a fumble as Costa was trying to push him over the end zone. Uh, it, 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 he fumbled, yeah, and it goes to overtime, and, and Liberty wins. Right? Uh, they yeah. hang on to win, but uh, I, the, here's what. We weren't planning on talking about this, but here's what ran through my mind. Why on earth didn't they just take a knee? <laughs> I don't know. Right? As opposed to, to run a play where you try not to score, why don't, why don't you just kneel it down? Doesn't that accomplish the same thing? Uh, I guess you could say that. Uh, yeah. That's just Am I missing those, something? That's just one of those things where, of, of all the times to fumble... That's just, and it's it's it, it's remarkable to me how often something weird like that happens. And maybe it's just it doesn't happen that often. It just seems that way because when it does, it stands out. Wasn't it fourth down though? Face. Well, what what difference would it make? Well, if then? you take a knee, 
you turn the ball over, the clock stops, they get it, they get the ball. But back. it's the I don't know what down it was. I wasn't watching. But then why are they trying not to score? If it were fourth down, they'd be trying to score. Well, the clock would run. No, it'd be a turnover on downs either if way. If it were fourth down, you're right. Yeah. So maybe it was third down. So yeah, I don't remember. It, it wasn't either. fourth because that doesn't make any sense. They would have just scored if it were fourth down. And then another the Raiders item. didn't score yesterday too, and that got them. Oh yeah, another, 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 on Saturday, yeah. another item from that game that caught a lot of uh, BYU fans' attention was uh, that is it Gunter, the kid, yeah, ninety four, who went after Zach uh, the way he did. Uh, that was about as vicious a face mask as I think I've ever seen. That he pulled on uh, on the Liberty quarterback, I believe it was. We'll take him on the Titans. Yeah, just listen to Soft O. Gordon over there. <laughs> it just rips someone's just, head off. Just playing hard. Ah, it's okay. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> it's a oh, contact sport, Gordon. Here's sure uh, here's what I wanted to bring up with you, Gordon. Uh, Dabo Swinney. And by the way, it's Swinney, not Sweeney. Uh, all of these people out there, and, and not that I'm uh, you know, great with names and all, but it, it seems like a really common mistake for somebody as notable as Dabo Swinney. Does it not? Well, I, anyway. I, I always wondered. I always wondered if that's the way it was spelled. If it was just pronounced differently than it was spelled. We we used to know a Swinney. I mean, uh, <laughs> why would you spell Sweeney with an I? <laughs> I don't know, but that's what everybody and says. He's, right? And he's only the best Dern coach in college football, and it's and it's not exactly a difficult name. But anyway, point. Oh, well, he's turning into one of the most outspoken. He he uh, voted Ohio State number eleven in his final mm-hmm. coaches poll. And, uh, it, you know, generating some locker room material for the Buckeyes. And now he's constantly asked about it. And uh, here he's doubling down, Gordon, but kind of. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So here's what he had to say. He said, quote, I just don't think it's right that three teams have to play 13 games to be the champion and one team has to play eight. It has zero to do with Ohio State. He, he goes on, it's a big deal uh, because we are having to play them. As I said earlier, there is no question Ohio State is good enough to beat us, any of us, to be a national champion. I didn't rank anybody that didn't play nine games or more in the top ten. That's why they're 11. It had nothing to do. I mean, I have all the respect in the world for Ohio State. I think the world of Ryan Day, they are a wonderful program. We recruit against them because I think we have a bit of similarity. Uh, I okay, that may be softening uh, what his actions were a little bit, but he I think he's just explaining what his thought process was. I think he's telling the truth there. Uh, he was asked about if he realized that his vote was going to be made public. He said, quote, absolutely. You don't think I don't know it won't be made public. What's right is right. I could probably run for governor in Michigan and have a good chance. Not too popular in Ohio. I wasn't <laughs> going to change that to be politically correct and try to appease people. It is what it is. Unquote. No reason to run because everybody would contest the vote anyway. Uh, I I don't have a big problem with what Davos Swinney, Swinney is doing. Uh, I think he's telling, he's calling it the way he sees it. So often people complain that coaches are so vanilla, they never say what they really think. And then when, when someone does say what he thinks, then a, a lot of people, especially Buckeye fans, just want to crush him for it. No, he's totally softening it. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not no, saying he's, he's not. He was saying exactly what he thought. No, he, uh, I, listen, go hold on. Let me finish. He's absolutely softening it with the language that he, I'm not saying that he, what he's saying is false. 
I'm just saying, oh, we just think the world of Ryan Day. We're best friends. Well, okay. In fact, I, I, I go out to dinner on. with him uh, three, four times a week because he's just incredible. <laughs> I mean, He laid it on right. a little thick. Yeah. But what he said was completely logical. And I, I coaches that we have <laughs> the old Michigan president. Hey, nice, yeah. nice, Austin. Uh, no, I, I'm not saying what he's saying is, is false. But, yeah, he gave Ohio State a bunch of bulletin more material. That team is going to come out uh, like their hair's on fire. And he had to walk it back a little bit with the way he put it. He had to explain it a little bit because I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't want to give them motivation because we're just best friends. And I just love Ohio State. And uh, I recruited everyone on their team because they're good players. And I recruit good players and just love them to death. It has nothing okay, to do with that, them personally. Part of it, it has everything part, to do Jake. with the fact that they only played five, to, what, six games. But that's what he thought. It was, he wasn't sitting there going, oh, you know, I hate Ohio State, so I'm going to downgrade them. Yeah, no, he, was, he, he thought they should have played more games, just like you thought they should have played more I, games. That's why I'm saying I agree with Dabo, but this is, this is the, the spin zone here. Well, I that, mean, this that's is, the fun of this, is it could be true that he was voting just the way he explained it, and it could also be true that he actually does hate Ohio State. Because <laughs> they recruited some players he wanted. I mean, he could have responded to the question by saying, I put him 11, deal with it. <laughs> and he, he didn't, he didn't yeah, do that. Yeah, but what is he? What does he accomplish by doing that? He's nothing, softening it. He's saying, no, I didn't no, say he's it. not. Yes, he's he not is. softening oh, it. He's saying, he, no, he's given the same, he's given a logical reason that he voted the way he did. And, and I will agree with you that he was laying on the friendship thing a little thick. But, uh, you know, he's got, he's, 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 he's no reason to, uh, to, to just absolutely stick it in their grill and, 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 well, he uh, better, I he better hope that what he, did. he better hope that Ohio State swallows it just like you're swallowing it, because that's why he said it. <laughs> well, well, again, I'll agree with you that it was a little bit much, uh, but his reasoning for the way he voted, which is the most important part of it, uh-huh. makes total sense. Is, what, it, which, the most, for is someone, it the most important part of it? For someone who has a Ryan Day friendship tattoo, it's weird that he voted on eleven. So strange. <laughs> I think Ryan Day is the, the godfather to, like, half his kids. My favorite day, Ryan Day. Yeah. That's his tattoo. <laughs> it's an incredible program. Nothing to do with them personally. No, uh, but he he said, don't you – you do believe the part about uh, the number of games they played, right? I do. Because uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't disagree thing, with yeah. him. Yeah, I don't disagree with him. But he's – you know. There's he, nothing he could have said that wouldn't have sounded like he was – Walking it back a little, yeah. He, he, he was, but he didn't walk it back. All he did was say, "Hey, I like those guys." If he didn't, he didn't walk, walk, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't yeah. Oh, come on, you it, guys are you're being way too harsh on you're, him. And, but, and you're buying it. Oh, he could have said no, no comment. No. He didn't have to say anything. Nobody is is uh, holding him hostage. He could well, just say what's it, a, what's it is what him? it is. He doesn't what's have to. Oh, I just love Ohio State oh, so much. Yeah, that's, that's not what he he initially said. Uh, he didn't think that anybody only had to play that many games uh, shouldn't be voted highly, and uh, and and, and th- that that's that's the truth. He could have left he, it at that though, and not added. I have all the Ohio State figurines on here, but that's yeah. not back. That's not back. Uh, backing is. up what he said, or or backing away from what he said about the way he voted. It's why it's, didn't he include that in his vote notes then? Why should he? There's no reason for him to do that. But once he was pressed on it, he said, "Okay, look, I I don't think these guys earned it. 
They have a great program, and I like their coach. But I that that uh, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, yeah, he was soft shoeing it there a little bit, but he stood firm with his reason for doing uh, what created the controversy in the first. He could have said, "I put them eleven. They played six games. Deal with it. Full stop." But, but no. why say he, deal with it? What, why? Why, with why the, should? Who, who says wonderful. you have to throw gas on the fire? <laughs> Well, that's exactly why the the reporter is asking the question is to throw gas on the fire. What do you mean? Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean he has to comply. He's, well, we didn't. In fact, not only did he not comply, but he walked. He softened it. He walked. He it didn't back. soften yes, it. He did. He said Stop they it. didn't play enough Stop games. I, that's why I voted him eleventh, and that, and I believe that. And he I didn't come too. off. He didn't move off of that one no, bit. No, he didn't. But he, the, fa- the fact that he said, Jake, it's like you and me right now disagreeing on this topic. You know, and and someone says, "Oh, wow, you and Jake are really going at it." And I say, "Well, I love Jake, you know, but he's wrong." Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. I I know. I and that's why you know when I say things like Gordon, I'd agree with you, Gordon. But then we'd both be right, Gordon. You're you're perfectly uh, perfectly and entirely wrong on this whole thing. And uh, but I love you, dog. But, but he wasn't I love wrong. you, dog. That's however, the thing about it. Dabo was right about what he said. You agree with him on that I part. And you're just angry because he said some nice things. He about added Ohio some State. politics he, at the back. He end. did. You know, he softened he, it for sure. Maybe, maybe he thinks that, you know. But he that was very change, diplomatic. After that, doesn't, that doesn't change his opinion. No, but it also softens his opinion. It does. It, it does not soften his opinion. His opinion is the same. His opinion was he ranked oh. them 11th because they didn't play enough games. And I love them to death. Yeah, yeah. But, then, yeah but that doesn't ch- change his logic. Okay. That doesn't change his <laughs> argument at all. How about, his argument how about is this? exactly the same. He softened the message. Does that make you feel better? Because that's what he massaged did. Yeah. The message. He, he massaged but he did, the message. He did he not massage the he narrative. He didn't soften the message, his, yes, his reason for what he did. <laughs> yes, he, that's he, why he, he said it. Uh, you guys read things into things that I think are just silly. I mean, he's he's not. He didn't change his opinion one iota. No, he, he just, just softened he it. Just, no, he didn't soften it at all. He just <laughs> added that he likes Ohio State and he likes their coach because he knew he gave him bulletin board material. Yeah, well, I, know. I mean that part might too, be. too uh, much vacillation on Coach Swinney's part there. Too much Make use of that. Use. Too much Stay use of that word guys. today. Guys, Way too much guys, use of that word today. Troubled, troubled people. Uh, I can't believe you're the just, visceral things. I mean, I'll tell you what that Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> that Dabo Sweeney just knows what he's talking about. I just lap up every I'm syllable. Gonna, I'm just going to start calling Dabo d- d- Dippity Dots or whatever every time I think of his name. <laughs> Dippity dots? The, Wait, the, what did the, I miss? the movie snacks rant yeah. where Gordon uses uh, the term visceral incorrectly. Oh, yeah. okay. When he said vacillation earlier, I thought of visceral. Oh, I see. I All like right. that word vacillation. Stay tuned. I don't. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. I don't like it at all. Uh, don't forget Jazz Thunder tonight, six. Uh, we'll have an early exit on the big show at five. That's Who doesn't vacillate? That's good news for Gordon. Stay tuned. 97.5 and uh, Lady the Zone. Nothing wrong with a little vacillation now and again. Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance With the stars up above in your eyes A fantabulous night to make romance Need the cover of October skies
You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I remember this song. This is a great song. This was your wedding song. Yeah, this is my first dance song. I'll always think of this song fondly. Well, I, I was there, but uh, Jake, uh, is this a hard song to dance to? Uh, well, first of Jake all, was doing the fox truck. First of all, you're talking to me, <laughs> and I can dance to anything. But why? Why would this be a difficult song to dance to? I don't know. It just seems kind of. I don't know. Well, you're you're gifted, so it didn't. Matter. It's not a it's not a traditional soft slow rock song. Well, and you you you. It's a you swing know. beat. I mean, is it a fast song? Is it a slow song? Is it a fast dance? Is it a slow dance? What are you doing? It's a little bit of both. You just get out there and feel the flow. And, and by the way, like, why are you taking shots at my wedding dance song now? It's such a, oh, I mean, no, no, I'm just, not taking shots at it. Not, not at all. I just, huh. I yeah. just asked. Here no, comes I, the double when you walk back. No, kind of I a, just asked you a stupid you song. No, to have no I didn't say that. I said, well, isn't it a hard song to dance to? Is all. I didn't say I didn't like the song. I didn't say it was a bad choice. I just said it was a difficult to dance to. What was your? And, and by the song, way, Gordon? by the way, Jake, I love you and I love Naz. And I just want <laughs> yeah, you to know exactly that, uh, that I recruit against you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dabo. <laughs> Walking it back, moving it on back. Um, hey, uh, the Texans uh, are not good. They're, they're they're not a, a terrific football team. Uh, they fired their coach. That was probably the best thing that's happened to them this year. <laughs> and they lose to the Mighty Bungles uh, yesterday, thirty-seven to thirty-one. And JJ uh, Watt um, gave a, a very memorable statement in his press conference. And let's uh, let's give that a listen. We're a professional athletes getting paid a whole lot of money. If you can't come in and put work in in the building, go out to the practice field and work hard, do your lifts, and do what you're supposed to do, you should not be here. This is a job. We are getting paid a whole lot of money. There are a lot of people that watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of shit. And they care about it. They care every single week. We're in week 16 and we're at 4 and 11. And there's fans that watch this game, that show up to the stadium, that put in time and energy and effort and care about this. So if you can't go out there and you can't work out, you can't show up on time, you can't practice, you can't want to go out there and win, you shouldn't be here. Because this is a privilege. It's the greatest job in the world. You get to go out and play a game. And if you can't care enough, even in week 17, even when you're trash, when you're 4 and 11, if you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest, that's bullshit. So that's how. I just, I think it's, that's, there are people every week that still tweet you, that still come up to you and say, hey, we're still rooting for you. We're still behind you. They have no reason whatsoever to. We stink. But they care, and they still want to win, and they still want you to be great. That's why. Those people aren't getting paid. We're getting paid handsomely. That's why. And that's that's who I feel the most bad for is our fans and the people who care so deeply in this city and the people who love it and who truly want it to be great, and it's not. And that sucks as a player to know that we're not giving them what they deserve. J.J. Watt. How about that? You clapping? Beautiful. Beautiful. 
That may be one of the best player rants I have ever heard. And the best part about it is it was authentic. Uh, I think he meant every word of that. These guys know that everything they say is going to be broadcast, especially if it's somewhat uh, controversial. He he knew, and I think he did it because he felt it, not because he wanted to, to make headlines or wanted to sell jerseys or wanted to gain favor. I think that was coming from the heart. Uh, Jake, you are a naturally cynical person. Do you Did you buy into it? Yeah, that seemed pretty sincere, and... Um... It comes off as sincere because of how J.J. Watt carries himself and has his entire career, if that makes any sense. He's built up a lot of uh, credibility with the way that he um, acts and behaves and and his actions. Like, um, I'm thinking back to the the flood in Houston. Remember that? What was that, two, three years ago? Where uh, yeah. where the the city was was really devastated with the was it a storm surge from a hurricane? I think. And uh, and man, he was boots on the ground type of dude, really trying to make an impact. And uh, I just think he he's built up a lot of credibility. And, you know, he's the leader in that locker room. And that's the tone that he wants to set. And obviously this year, uh, this year's version version version, excuse me, of the uh, Texans has not lived up to that. I mean, it, it, really, in a, Deshaun Watson has had arguably the second best year of any quarterback out there. But yet they've only won four games. I mean that's 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 you're you're questioning toughness because you can't put it off on the quarterback. I mean, how many yeah. franchises out there can just dump it off on the on the quarterback? Oh, the Cowboys, the Eagles. I mean, that whole division can basically do it, you know. But they they had a superb quarterback play, and the rest of the team was was uh, below par. And sh- so I'm sure he's setting a tone, man. Good for him. I I, yeah. I agree. There may be cases where exactly what you brought up about the quarterback, that might be the scapegoat, but there's a whole lot of this other thing that J.J. Watt is talking about is going on. They can't make that claim in this case, obviously, but it is made uh, at times where blame is shifted. And what J.J. Watt is saying here is, hey, I watch you guys. I see the way you practice or don't practice. I see the effort that you put in or don't put in. I see the care factor or the lack thereof, and he's had it up to here with it. And he thinks they can be better than they are. If they sucked, if they didn't have any talent at all, I don't think he would be, you know, uh, complaining that way. But he knows they can be better if there was uh, more conscientiousness on the part of the team. And he said it. And fans love that stuff, and they should love it, because what he said about fans is true. You know, they do care deeply. We've seen that time and time again. They they shell out money. They support the team. They throw their heart into the team. And, and uh, J.J.'s just saying, hey, hey, fellas, let's do what they do. Let's give the same effort. Let's have the same care factor. Beautiful. I thought when I saw that yesterday, I just went, wow, okay, that is right on the money. Plus, I think there's a lot more dog in it in professional sports than people might realize. Just going through the motions. Yeah, there's a lot of dog in it out there. There's probably, you know, when you're a four-win team in week 16 in the NFL, mm-hmm. probably yeah. a lot of dog in it going on out there. We just had Maddox on at the beginning of the 3 o'clock hour, and he's like, there is no defense being played at all in the NBA right now. And maybe that's justifiable because of the short offseason, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I do think, I mean, 
no other space is it more notable than the NBA when you see the intensity that goes from regular season to the playoffs. And everybody says, well, this is playoff intensity and, and ignores the fact that, what are these guys, dogging it throughout the entire regular season? <laughs> and the answer to that is yes. They are dogging it. <laughs> Sometimes they do. Not, not all the time. The Nets certainly. aren't even playing their top two guys the, tonight. The Clippers <laughs> were down by 50 at half. You can't tell me that that team wasn't out there dogging it. And yeah. by the way, what a great phrase, dogging it. We don't use it enough. Uh, what do does it mean? Not, do I don't know. Not, do dogs not work hard? I don't know, but it, it, it's a throwback to like the Little League uh, you know, high school days. Didn't, didn't we all have a coach that used that phrase? You're dogging it out there. Quit dogging it out there. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a lot more of that in professional sports than, than probably people realize. And somebody like J.J. Watt probably looks at the, you know, the, the lineman next to him uh, you know, taking some plays off, and it probably bugs him. I have a question. What? Who let the dogs out? Oh. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, okay, you've told a lot of bad jokes wow. on this show, but that was that was shameless, that was terrible. Thank you. <laughs> it's just terrible. That's what I was going for. Maybe have a little shame, <laughs> please. That, well, was a, that was a reference to a terrible song produced twenty years ago. Now I need to hear it. No, no not a not chance. A, uh, what's going on is next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five <laughs> to twelve eighty. The zone. Oh, I need it.